Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I'm joined this week by Jake McKee. How are you doing today, Jake? I'm not too bad at all, so happy to be here with you. I'm happy to have you here. Um, there's been an awful lot going on uh, around the NFL. I mean, obviously, we've got training camp. Plenty of news, though. We've got uh, a few injuries to talk about. We've got some extensions. Uh, we've got, I'm, I'm not sure if there was any trades, but there's definitely been some signings. And, of course, there's been all the other off-field uh, extracurricular news going on as well. So uh, why don't you start us off, Jake, and tell us uh, what's going on in the news around the NFL this week. Absolutely. We've had the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I think we'll break it down. Obviously, a lot of this um, episode will be just talking about some news and what kind of what's going on. Um, like I say, we've got some extensions. I think there's four extensions. Uh, we'll talk about the training camp injuries. And then, like you said, there's been some signings and some retirements as well. So, um, starting with the, the extensions, it's been another good week um, for wide receivers. Um, started off with DK Metcalf um, getting a three-year 72 million extension. Um, 58.2 million of that is guaranteed. Uh, the most impressive part was it includes 30 million um, of that as a sign and bonus, which was the highest ever for a wide receiver. So dinner is on DK for the next pff, six months, probably, in the, in the, especially in the wide receiver room. I'd be saying, you better be bringing the snacks to the means. That's, I mean, that's a lot of money. A lot of money. And like yeah. I say, a lot of it straight away. And then keeping it in the division, the other wide receiver that everyone was waiting for, Debo, also got his extension. Now, his was three years as well. Um, it has a max of $73.5 million, so slightly more, but the guaranteed is 58.1, so ever so slightly less. Um, so very, very similar, obviously. Both came into the league, both done uh, uh, great things for their, for their team, so it's not surprising that their deals almost mirror each other. Um, but that is a whopping 11 receivers who have um, signed deals worth 20 million or more per year this season, as I would call it, the Christian Kirk effect. Yeah, I mean, we, we've spoken about this for a few weeks now, that the contracts these receivers are getting are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're thinking, my goodness, that's just absolutely insane with some of these contracts. I'll be honest, I thought Debo would get a little more. It's interesting because on one side I agree, I thought it would be more and he would demand more and we'd, we'd still have these swings and roundabouts. And on the other side, what works for Debo is that it's three years. So he'll be 29 at the end of that. You know, all being well, he'll still be able to get another big contract. You know, there'll be a team willing to give him another two or three years at least um, at the end of that. So he'll have another payday. I, I think we can all agree that, you know, he's well worth the money. He's such an integral part of that offense. I'm I'm glad they've got it done because obviously you don't want him holding in. as they, It's not a holdout because he's at training camp, um, but he wasn't really <laughs> fully training uh, whilst he was waiting for this. So you don't want uh, that kind of going around um, the training camp. So good to get it sorted. I'm just surprised they got it done before they sort out the, the Jimmy G um, situations. Yeah. Yeah, just because of the money, money side of it. That yeah, that, I mean, we've been looking at again at Jimmy G. They're talking about him just cutting him if they don't get a trade for Jimmy. So um, we'll we'll wait and see with that as well. It's it's a strange situation going down in San Francisco uh, about what they're doing. But you you saw the 
interview with um, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, and they both seem to be, you know, they're totally unfazed. They're absolutely on top of this, and they're just going, no, we're, we're fine. Regardless of what happens, we're fine. We know what we're doing. We've got a plan. I absolutely believe they've got a plan in place. Whether or not they, they're able to get a trade for Jimmy G, and they just cut him, uh, as you say, with the money, uh, the way the money's going. But yeah, good for Debo. Good for him. Rolling with the punches down there. Um, now, there was two other extensions, maybe gone under the radar a little bit. I'm probably going to butcher this name, so apologies. But you got paid $20.8 million, so you probably don't care. Um, Dave on... I'm gonna go with Godchu. Um, I'll I'll, which, I'll buy that Godchu. Yeah, it's a G O D and then C H A U X. Um, he is a defensive tackle for the Patriots. Um, two years, twenty point eight million extension, and seventeen point eight five fully guaranteed. So pretty much the bulk of it's guaranteed. So. They That's, love uh, a defensive tackle up in New England. They do. I, I'm surprised at that. I'm sorry, sorry for cutting you off there, Jake. It's just, uh-huh. uh, although I don't pay much attention to the New England Patriots, some of the notable players, I, I'm obviously aware of who they are. Uh, you know, I, I knew that they had Nikhil Harry. I knew when they, they'd got Hunter Henry on the team. I knew uh, the quarter, obviously, Mac Jones, the quarterback. There was a whole uh, things with Dante Hightower the year before. And I know these players, I, I'm gonna, not going to lie, this is a guy I've never heard of. And that's good money they're paying. It's very good money. I mean, he played, let's have a look. He finished the season last year, from what I can see, with 65 tackles and a sack. Mm-hmm. Played fifty nine percent of the defensive snaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure he's a great contributor. Um, obviously, Bill loves him, and then the Patriots love him. But that makes him the twenty fourth highest paid defensive tackle, which is basically means he's more better than eight other starters. At least you know if that's only if you're playing with yeah, if, one if defensive money, tackle. Yeah. Um, and he was not even playing two thirds of the snaps. But like I say, some DTs tend to only play maybe two downs anyway, but they certainly love him up in New England. And as we've said many times before, we will never doubt Bill Belichick. No. Bill- <laughs> um, Belichick knows defensive players. He knows defensive talent when he sees it. Do you know, good for you, Godju. That's, uh, I hope we've not absolutely butchered your name. Yeah. Um, I, will take, I will take responsibility for this. He's probably listening to the podcast. So we do apologise if, if that is incorrect. You can hit us up on Twitter and let us know if we've murdered the pronunciation of your name. Thankfully, the, the last extension, I can, I can say this name. It's the Cardinals left tackle, DJ Humphreys. Um, 66.8 million in total and 34 million guaranteed. Um, talking of tackles, the only other thing I can think of that is that Orlando Brown is going to play on the franchise tag, so they're looking to get a deal done probably next year, but he's agreed to play on the, the tag from the sounds of it. So a few tackles being sorted before the season, which is music to quarterbacks is. <laughs> Definitely get those left tackles. Uh, un- unless of course you're, you're Miami and it's a right tackle. You're looking for. Yes. Is, is Tua the only lefty in the NFL? The only starting lefty that I yes, can think of. I think he is. I feel like it is. Mm. I'm up, unless we're, really hurting someone's feelings at the moment yeah of course patrick mahomes is basically ambidextrous so we don't <laughs> he can he can throw his ball in fact i don't know i don't know if i mentioned this before i saw a tweet 
that someone had. It was after Tyreek Tyreek Hill had commented on um, Tua being in inverted commas far more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. And somebody had tweeted that uh, Patrick Mahomes has a higher passer rating throwing with his left hand than Tua does. Well, <laughs> I, I would normally laugh and join in, but after see, I'm I'm buying the training camp buzz of it being Tua season. They are loving him in Miami. He's started training camp very well. He's now got Toron Armstead on his line. He's now got Tyreek Hill. He's got Jalen Waddle. I mean. It is set up for him to have a great year. And from the looks of it, I had a quick look. The last lefty to start was Kellen Moore. So yes, he's the, the only one in the in the league at the moment. Kellen Moore was the last one before Tua. Yeah. That's, that's 2012, 2017. Yeah, I mean, five years ago. I, you know, it's it's one of those things you always just think of there being a lefty. It, it always seems to have been one in the league forever. <laughs> but that's a five-year gap with no starting quarterbacks. That's very uh, a left left-handed quarterbacks, I should say. That's very interesting. There you go. It's, a, it's a, almost a almost a bonus random stat for you there. <laughs> getting, getting you te- teasing that for later. Yeah. Uh, are, are you are you sticking with the 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 Dolphins on the news here, or are you? Um, I mean, we can transition into the Dolphins, seeing as they they were obviously a, a big part of the news. Um, this week, maybe not for the right reasons, mm. um, and I'm sure not what they really wanted to be in the news for. It wasn't the the hype that I was seeing on on Twitter for Tua. It was more the uh, previous doings of of their their front office and owner Stephen Ross. So I don't know if you're wanting to give a bit of a backstory to that. Um, do you know it's it, it's almost a case of where do you begin. <laughs> with that. It, it really is because I I was reading the there's been so many statements have come out about this and I was reading some of them and I was I was looking seeing where do you start with this because I, I'm trying to if you know what bear with me give me a give me a second and I will uh, look at this because the investigation of Stephen Ross. Uh, that has come up, but they did. They did issue a statement. So the NFL release. This this was the release uh, by the NFL, seeing NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell notified the Miami Dolphins of the discipline imposed for violations of NFL policies relating to the integrity of the game. And it basically uh, goes on to say that there was a six-month investigation. Uh, former U.S. Attorney was leading it, uh, and then it comes into two subjects. So the the first one was whether or not the Dolphins violated rules which prohibit tampering with a player and a coach under contract, uh, under contract to other clubs. And the other one was whether or not in the 2019 season, you know, we're going back to um, the the head coach, Brian Flores, um, they're trying to see whether or not they intentionally lost games to improve the draft position of the team in the 2020 draft, which is obviously where they uh, picked up Tua. And because the story is that the chairman, the, um, Stephen Ross, offered Brian Flores money. I, I forget what it was. I think it was $100,000 per loss. And he said, you know, if you if, if you lose, I'll give you 100000 per loss. So that we can get, I don't know, I don't know if at the time they could get the first overall pick, 
I'm not sure about that. Uh, but they, they definitely wanted two out if they, if they couldn't get Joe well, that Burrow. that was just a joke. <laughs> well, when see, this is the thing. You, you yeah, that's what, you know. To be rubbish at each other, it's just a Exactly. Joke. So the commissioner then, the, sorry, not the commissioner, the, the NFL then had the investigation and uh, here was the rulings. So rule one, ruling one, the Dolphins had impermissible communications with quarterback Tom Brady in 2019-2020 whilst he was under contract with the Patriots. Because apparently the communications began uh, back in August 2019 and continued through the season and the postseason. Now, the, uh, it then goes on to say the numerous and detailed discussions were conducted by Mr. Beale, who in turn kept Mr. Ross and other executives informed of his discussions with Mr. Brady. So this has all been noted that this happened. So it's it, it's not a case of this isn't like the, you know, did you tank intentionally? Because it's all detailed. It's all noted of what was said and when these meetings happened. It then says the Dolphins again had impermissible communications um, with both Mr. Brady and his agent during and after the 2021 season when he was under contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I didn't know that this was a thing, that you weren't allowed to talk to the agent of a player while he's under contract with another team. Yes, yeah, so the free when the free agency starts up, that's when they've got the legal tampering. So the, the, um, ah, right. So obviously they're doing it whilst the season's ongoing. Just in the middle of the season, you know. <laughs> uh, it says, These discussions began no later than early December 21 and focused on Mr. Brady becoming a limited partner in the Dolphins and possibly serving as a football executive. Although at times they would include the possibility of his playing for the Dolphins. So both uh, Mrs. Ross and Beale were active participants in these discussions. And again, the problem is that this has been noted. It, it, you know, it's it's there and they're saying, well, the evidence is there. They've, they've actually got these meetings scheduled in and they've been minuted what's been said in these meetings. So it's not like they can say, oh, this never happened. It This absolutely happened. Now, in January 2022, they're saying the Dolphins had impermissible communications with Don Yee, who's the agent for former Saints head coach Sean Payton, about having Payton mm. coming to be Miami's head coach. Miami did not seek consent from New Orleans to have these discussions, which occurred before Payton had retired. Uh, so following the announcement, Miami requested permission to speak to Coach Payton for the first time, which New Orleans declined to grant. So to cut cut that one up into uh, much more manageable chunks. The Dolphins were speaking to Sean Payton's agent, didn't tell anyone, and then after he retired, they requested permission from the Saints to speak to Coach Payton, which they'd already <laughs> done. And the Saints were like, no. And they're like, oh, well, damn it all. So, oh, crap. <laughs> I know. So the investigators found tampering violations of, I'm quoting here, unprecedented scope and severity. Commissioner Goodell said, I know of no prior instance of a team violating the prohibition on tampering with both a head coach and a star player to the potential detriment of multiple other clubs over a period of several years. Similarly, I know of no prior instance in which ownership was so directly involved in the violations. So, I mean, this is, this is, all, this is just the first point. This is just the tampering. 
<laughs> we haven't even gone on to the tanking yet, which which is another thing. Basically, as I say, the, the, the tanking thing goes on for ages. But Brian Flores basically claimed that uh, Ross, uh, Mr. Ross, offered him $100,000 to lose games so they would get a better draft pick. That, that's all you need to know about that. There's other things in it. Uh, Coach Flores uh, did, had said, you know, this is not going to happen. Uh, and there's no witnesses to say yay or nay to this. So there's no, this is unlike the, the tampering thing. This has not been documented or minuted. But the, the claim that he offered to pay him $100,000 to lose a ga- a ga- each game is just, it's bizarre. So, of course, they, this then brings into what they call, you know, bringing the game into disrepute or the integrity of the game. They use, in fact, I think they use, I think Goodell actually used the phrase, the integrity of the game uh, is, is at stake in this. Because paying your team to lose is worse than Calvin Ridley betting on his team to win when he's not playing for the team. Now, let, let's let's get that absolutely in the books here. What Calvin Ridley did uh, is against league policy. He bet on the NFL. You're not supposed to do that. But he, he, he couldn't have affected the outcome of the games he wasn't playing. Paying your head coach to lose games absolutely affects the outcome of the games. It's the literal definition of it. They so, always say with tanking, it's it's not the players. The players are the playing play- for contracts, you of know, course future they contracts, are. Or endorsements. The players will never tank, but the front office will attempt to tank because you see someone like Tua and go, "We need a you know a star quarterback. He's our guy. You know, if we win a few more games, we're probably not going to get him." So there's always there's been always been instances of it, but like I say, it's never the players that are tanking. It's always coming from above. Of course it is. It's it's like I go back to um, what Rich Eisen was saying about the New York Jets, uh, and he was all he was all in on Trevor Lawrence for the Jets. Thank for Trevor. And the Jets um, at that point had the worst record in the NFL. I think they were tied with Jacksonville, but they they were going to get the first pick. And Rich Eisen uh, on his podcast is saying, just just lose the game, just lie down, lose the games. As a fan, you know he's a fan of the Jets. He says, no, we, no, no, no one wants you to win a game for the rest of the year. Just lose them all, get Trevor Lawrence, restart next year. But of course, this did, and it, the Jets could have done that. They had the first place. All they had to do was lose what three more games, and that was it. But they ended up winning two of the last three games, I think. And the fans were going mental. What are you doing? Why are you winning games? Why are you? Why would you not want Trevor Lawrence? Because as you say, Jake, these players, like, I don't care about Trevor Lawrence. I want to win. I'm not going to be here next year. <laughs> I've, I've got my, my fifth year option coming up. Or, you know, I'm playing on a franchise tag. Or I'm looking for a trade to you know, the Buffalo Bills. So I'm not going to let... So if you, just for argument's sake, you, you're a, a left tackle. We know how valuable left tackles are. If you're the left tackle for the New York Jets, you're not letting pass rushers by to sack your quarterback just so that your team can get Trevor Lawrence. You're going to play your absolute best because you want to be the best player that you can possibly be. Whether it's motivated through money, I, I have, you know, we know what happens or whether it's just motivated through the fact that you want to be the best you. 
that's whatever. But you're going to play your absolute damnedest, and I would assume every player is like that. And besides, you know, for example, the I forget who the quarterback was at the time in New York. It was it Joe Flacco? <laughs> it possibly could have been Joe Flacco. Right, it's difficult to tell if Joe Flacco's tanking or not because he's really bad. It's, it's almost impossible to tell if he's intentionally trying to lose a game. But uh, if it had been any other quarterback, they'd say, they're like, I, I don't want Trevor Lawrence in here because if Trevor Lawrence comes in, I'm out of a job. Because you, you'd know that was going to be the case. Absolutely. Look at Alex Smith. He didn't want them drafting Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Because he knew when this kid comes in, he'll replace me. Might not be in his rookie year. Might not be his second year. Definitely by the third year. Turned out it was his second year. Alex Smith's gone. Thanks, Alex. Bye. Or, or when, when the, the um, Texans you know, drafted Deshaun Watson. I forget who the, the quarterback was at the time. It would have been post-match sharp, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. I think it was. Um, but Brock Osweiler, maybe. <laughs> I mean, safe bet, Tyra Taylor. Yeah, uh, yeah pretty safe. Or Mike Lennon. <laughs> pretty Sports safe. Too. And, and they don't want Deshaun Watson coming in because they know they're out of a job. You see these guys, these young guys coming out of college, just lighting it up. And then, you know, in training camp and pre-season, and, and, and whoever the incumbent quarterback is sitting there going, oh, very good, thanks. Thanks for that. Do you know, I was trying my hardest all year. We had a few issues with drop balls and injuries and stuff like that, and now I'm out of a job. And then to hear fans and media say, just lose. I don't want to lose. As Herm Edwards said, what did he say, Jake? You play to win the game. Sound clip. You play to win the game. That's exactly what he said, because that is why you play. It's the only reason you play, is to win. There's no other reason. This is not, um, you know, there, there's no medals for participation. This is not school sports. This is the NFL. You play, literally, to win the game. I know it's, it's like a meme, but that is why you play it. Winning is the most important thing. And I can't, I cannot abide people who say, um, oh, it, you know, it, as, if you just get to the Super Bowl, that's good enough. No, it's not. It's, it's an achievement and it's an achievement you should be proud of. But you'd be more proud if you won the game and won the Super Bowl. It's, it's, it's never good enough. Winning is the most important thing. If winning isn't the most important thing, then why keep score? In any sport, why, why would you do it? If, if, if taking part is all that counts, why time the fastest runners? Why measure the longest jumps? Why have points and, or, or goals or whatever it is, runs and click? You know, why would, why would you have that? It's all about winning. So the, the whole tanking, it, it, you know what? It annoys me. I, I, the idea that a team, a professional sports organization would just lie down because someone up in, uh, for example, you know, the general manager's office, I'm not saying it is the general manager, but for an owner or a general manager or whoever is in charge says, do you know what? We'll get more publicity if we've got this kid next year. I'll make more money. And that's all it comes down to. I mean, do you know, I'm, I'm look, look at the Jaguars, right? They got Trevor Lawrence. 
And Shad Khan, the owner, instead of bringing in an experienced coach who knows how to deal with young quarterbacks coming into the NFL, he goes for a coach who has never, you know, no experience at this. Oh, he's, a, he's got a winning mentality at the college level. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say college football is easy. I've never played in my life, in any capacity, other than throwing a ball very poorly, by the way. No no tight spirals when I throw it. With my brother when I was a teenager. Very uh, wobbly. Uh, oh, wobbly. Oh, terrible. Terrible passes. That was awful. Wounded ducks, I think they called them. That's what they look flapping everywhere. That's my only experience of playing this game. So I'm not going to sit here and say the college game is easy. But I guarantee every single NFL coach or NFL, you know, veteran will look and say that it's it's not the same. It's it's a completely the NFL is such a step up from the college game. I mean, it's huge. It, you know, it's it's like comparing touring car racing to Formula One. I couldn't do touring car racing. Of course not. I'd be awful at it. I'd be, the, I'd be the worst touring car racer of all time if you strapped me into one of those. But that does not mean that the best touring car racer can immediately jump into a Formula One car and start winning Grand Prix. It, it doesn't work that way. And every sport's the same. And the, the idea of tanking just, oh, it gives me a knot in my stomach. I'm, I've gone right off topic here. Sorry, Jake. I apologise. Again. My- my my favourite kind of nugget from this is that, as we said, Mr. Ross is suspended through October 17. Uh, the next game for the Dolphins is a primetime game on Sunday night against the Steelers. Uh, so the Dolphins will host the Steelers, and you know who's on the Steelers staff? Brian <laughs> Flores. Yes. So if that isn't a whole bunch of irony for you. Um, I don't, you know, obviously the schedule is done way in advance, so it's not on purpose. But uh, sometimes these things kind of just fall, and you can't help but have a little chuckle and think, isn't that kind of ironic how that's um, all panned out? Now, Dolphins do forfeit uh, a first round selection in, in next yeah. year's draft, twenty twenty three, yeah, and a third round selection in twenty twenty four. But like you say, and as Roger Goodell said, it's you know doing it once. You know if they did it with Tom Brady, uh, they you know maybe lost a draft pick, maybe not a first, but maybe lost a draft pick, get a slap on the wrist. But they did it with Brady at the Patriots, Brady at the Bucks, and Peyton at the the Saints. I mean, how to to really annoy three franchises and ensure you get punished? It's it's, it's impressive, uh, quite frankly. That's they thought they were going to get away with this. Or the fact that they kept trying to get away with it. Obviously, was it 2019 the first one? Then they had one in 2021. And then they tried to get in 2022. Just at the end of the day, they, they could have just waited. <laughs> I just, it, it blows my mind. Um, and obviously, it just, that's just talking about the, the tapering now in terms yeah. of the the tank. And like I say, I think you covered it. And, and I, I agree with yourself. And like I say, it's never the players, it's, it's always coming from above. And, Jacksonville, there was no one happier than uh, Jacksonville um, when the Jets started winning games because you talk about marketing and, you know, getting a, a quarterback. You know, when they 
got the first overall pick thanks to the Jets winning some games. You know, mm. having Trevor Lawrence coming to be the face of your franchise, happy days. You know, winning, uh, you know, a win-win for the for the Jaguars. But you can't help but respect the Jets for, and especially you know the Jets players. It was would have been you know in the New York media, which is very loud. It would have been all over the show. You know, all we got to do is lose three more games. You know, we've lost you know ten games or however many games already. It can't be that hard to lose three more. <laughs> and then we, you know, we go again next year, and we get Trevor Lawrence, and then they start winning games. Everyone's like, "Oh crap! Why couldn't you do that at the start of the year?" Well, at least they were still trying. You know, <laughs> when you had a, a shot fan, at the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, as, as a fan of a very poor football team, a lot of the time, if you lose one nil, but play, you know, your players run their heart out when they try, you can live with that. I'd rather lose four nil, and my team run and, and players try, than than sit there and give up and you know maybe only lose one nil. I mean. You, as a fan, especially, you respect effort, and you want your players to care, and you know you're paying them yeah, to care. I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from with that because I, I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on here, but I've watched my Broncos in the Super Bowl uh, every year since 1986, where they played the Giants. Sorry, the '86 season, I should say, uh, and they got absolutely thumped by the Giants, and the following year, thumped by the Redskins. And then in 1989, they played the 49ers and still the biggest loss in Super Bowl history, 55 to 10. Absolutely crushed. Uh, and I watched them lose to the Seahawks in 2013 by, what, 35 points, I think it was? 40, 43 to 8, or whatever the final score was. Just embarrassing. But I've watched that Broncos 49ers Super Bowl, Super Bowl 24, 10 times. 12 times, 15 times, I don't know, a loss count, at least. And the reason that I watch it is because, yes, that was the most lopsided victory in Super Bowl history, but it was because the 49ers were so good. The Broncos still played well, but they just got completely outclassed by a, by a team that was just better in every single department. When I watched the Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl, I, I watched it live. And I've never watched it again because I was so disgusted by the apparent lack of effort by the team. It looked like they just gave up. By by you know, by that first safety going over Peyton Manning's head to start the game, it looked like they just gave up. And I've never seen that game since. I yeah. You you don't mind your team losing. And you don't even mind them getting, you know, beaten up if they playing as well as they can and they just happen to run into a juggernaut coming the other way i i don't mind that i've got no issues with that but as you say if your team is just kind of lying there and oh yeah you know we're losing oh we're losing not not gonna bother anymore it's oh oh that that grinds my gears that does really does um are are we one one more thing just on this um because the the dolphins forfeited a first round pick and a three pound Third round pick, is that correct? Yes, that's right. First round next year, and then, uh, well, the 2023 um, draft, and then a third round in the 2024 draft. So three times in the history of the NFL. A bonus random stat. I saw this. Three times in the history of the NFL. A team has been forced to forfeit their first round pick. Let's see if you can spot the combinator, Jake. I know you already know the answer. (laughs) 2008, New England Patriots, Spygate. 2015, New England Patriots, Deflategate. 2022, Miami Dolphins, tampering with 
Sean Payton and another individual. That sounds wrong, doesn't it? Tampering with Sean. What were you doing with Tom? <laughs> well, why are we? What were you doing with Sean Payton? Tampering with him. That sounds awful. Well, it's, there's no denying that Tom Brady is the GOAT, the greatest of all time of losing first-round picks for teams. Yeah, <laughs> he is. To tampering Almost with beautiful. videos and tampering with ball. <laughs> <laughs> with, with footballs. Tampering with footballs. And now tampering with other things. He's the, the, he's the GOAT, the greatest of all tamperers. <laughs> oh... What are we doing here, Jake? What am I doing here? I know what you're doing. You're trying to read the news and I'm constantly interrupting you. Shall we move on? Because there's still more news. We're not done with the news. Oh, oh there's plenty. Like I say, the majority of this is just going to be going through some news. There it is. And of course, you can guarantee we'll, we'll go on a few tangents here and there. Now, next thing we'll, we'll focus on, I think, is something that I mentioned last week and we've kind of mentioned in the, in the weeks coming up to training camp. It's always the worst thing about training camp, and that is injuries um, oh. and players being out for the season before we've even reached the first preseason game. Yeah. Um, now, there's been a few. There's, I'll kind of just go through um, them, and then we can kind of pick apart the ones that uh, we want to talk about more. Now, the Saints Safety Smoke Monday, great name, um, suffered a believed significant knee injury, likely done for the season. That's tragic. Um, so that's that's Saints. So that, yep. that's me sad. Um, then there was Bronco. Uh, no, yeah, we'll do Broncos. Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick mm. um, ACL injury done for the year. Mm. And then to tee off the the full three, um, Rams wide receiver Van Jefferson had knee surgery. Uh, he's not done for the year. It's to be decided if he makes week one. But his is obviously more minor, yeah. and and hopefully we'll be back for you know. Week one would be ideal, but he'll certainly play this season. Um, but that's all three of our teams in the first week of training camp have been hit. It's just... I know you especially are hurt by the, the Tim Patrick one. Oh, yeah. Well, it was actually two players within an hour at the Broncos. I think it was within an hour at Broncos practice. There was also the running back, Demaria Crockett, went down. Um, also out for the year. Both of them... Uh, ACLs, I think it was. Both of them non-contact. That's the worst. I mean, I, I was messaging you about Tim Patrick. Oh. You know, like you say, non-contact. I was like, that's never a good sign. No, it's 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 the worst sign. When that happens, you're like, well, that's it. That's and they they both got carted off. And I think KJ Hamler. I, I saw. It, I think someone tweeted that KJ Hamler actually went into the facility with Tim Patrick as he was being carted off because this happened to KJ Hamler last year he missed all of last season with the Tony ACL the year before that 2020 Cortland Sutton missed the entire year with the Tony ACL that's three three receivers in three years and it's just oh non-contact I, I can understand I mean no one no one likes it no one wants anyone to be injured but if somebody rolls awkwardly over your leg and you twist your ankle, ah, pop something. It's that's an unfortunate event. It's a it's a contact sport. We learn to live with that. Non-contact. He was just running around and his knee explodes. Ah, just it's it's awful. And and I'm not going to go on. You know about the Broncos. Smoke Monday. I mean, just just got the guy. Just got the guy, and doesn't he get a chance to to you know? 
help out in the, in the safety, you know, with Honey Badger, yeah. Sorensen, special teams, especially. Um, and then, yeah, it's absolutely going for, you know, a rookie or someone who's, you know, maybe in a contract year. You know, there's not <laughs> never a good time to be injured, but there's definitely a bad time. And when you're a rookie and you just want to get out there and that's that immediately sets you back, that's, that's a kick in the teeth. It is. We've got, they're, they're, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, we have, we have complete, we'd essentially have completed the off season. Essentially. It, it's done. This Friday, two days from now, the Hall of Fame game. And you mentioned, Jake, we're talking about that. We, we mentioned the Hall of Fame game is coming up. Jacksonville Jaguars, Las Vegas Raiders. Two players who are not playing in this game. And one of them is the guy who missed all of last year for the Jaguars draft pick. Uh, Travis Etienne. So he's come back. Was his an ACL as well? His, yeah, I think it was an ACL. It was ACL or Achilles, but I think it was ACL. I think it was ACL. I think we need to do something to these players to protect their ACLs. I don't know what it is. Everyone's going to come out wearing the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin knee braces. <laughs> Maybe that's what's required. I don't know. Maybe that is what's required. It's just, just, just for like training. Just, <laughs> just, <laughs> the coach would be there going my receivers are really slow by the way it was <laughs> just like, did not come out the break very quick at all <laughs> oh uh, I'd, I'd pay to see that that would be I don't know if you have you ever do you remember it's a knockout have you yes, yes. right <laughs> the guys in the big suits trying to run like obstacle courses and races and they've got these huge suits on Big fat suits, uh, or they're dressed up, and they they can barely move their legs, <laughs> and they're trying to run races. And it's if if you if anyone's listening who doesn't know what it's a knockout is, go onto YouTube and just look it up. It was the most as a kid, I loved it's a knockout, loved it, and I look back now and go, that was some weird stuff we were into back then. That was really weird. Uh, but Some of this stuff wouldn't pass health and safety these days. It definitely wouldn't. A hundred percent would not pass anything. You could not show that on telly today. The, could you imagine <laughs> the complaints from outraged parents? Outraged. It would just be, no. out, wow, points of view would, would break. I don't know if points of view still on the telly either. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know what Points of View is, Points of View was a, a programme they used to show on BBC um, answering a letters of complaint from viewers. It was presented by Anne Robinson for a long time. You remember her from The Weakest Link? How, how can you not? Yeah. She, she presented Points of View for a long time. Prior to her, there was a guy called Barry something, but I forget his name. Uh, apologies if you're listening, Barry. Uh, or Anne Just Robinson. not memorable. No. That's going to annoy me now. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah, so these guys, you can just imagine them with the big braces on the legs of the receivers, trying to hobble along, doing hitch routes. <laughs> that would be brilliant. The, the linebackers and the, the, the you know the secondary, they would be all over this. They'll, they'll sign off on this. Oh, of course they will. Like, He's oh, looking great in preseason. Yes, they, they were like... Um, <laughs> He's got nine picks. <laughs> I can just imagine Nathaniel Hackett going, I can't believe we paid all this money for Russell Wilson. He threw 12 interceptions in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> We've yet to complete a pass to the right 
Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Ah, I need to stop. I'm actually weeping here. Ah. Right, anyway. That was that that was the the kind of section that off in terms of our teams that the Saints Broncos and Rams all had an injury. Now there's yes. um, some smaller minor injuries. Vikings um, tight end Irv Smith suffered a thumb injury. He's had surgery and he's not ruled out of making it back for week one. Something to keep an eye on um, towards the back end of the preseason and see how he's getting on with that. Um, Bills um, player Jordan Poyer uh, had an elbow injury. Um, they were very concerned to start off with, but it looks like it's only a hyperextended and he's possibly ready for week one. Um, and then the other one um, was Joe Burrow, who had his appendix out. Unlikely to play the preseason. Not sure how much he would have played anyway. I was going to say, that, must, that must have been a rough hit in practice for knocked <laughs> his appendix out. Uh, he wasn't obviously really fighting for his job, so you no. probably wouldn't have seen him too much in preseason. Um, but I doubt we'll see him at all in preseason. Obviously not going to want him taking too many hits before before the season. Um, but that, that, those three kind of minor injuries that flagged up, um, but there was two more season-ending injuries that I found. There was the, the 49ers defensive tackle Maurice Hurst, mm. who suffered a torn biceps. Um, now he's likely um, done for the season. You know, if they make it, in the, you know, depending on how he, you know, recovers and the surgery goes, and you know, if the 49ers go deep into the playoffs, maybe he he comes back. But likely his season done for. Um, and then the Bucks center Ryan Jensen suffered a knee injury. Fears that that is season ending. Now that's oh. especially big because the old trope that Tom Brady does not like pressure up the middle, which is ironic because find me a quarterback that does. Oh, yeah, I was um, just going to say. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like never a, understood that, that, that one. Like, oh, you Tom just Brady imagine like Josh Allen reading that going, that's why I like it the best. I like it. I love it up the middle. Right in my face. Right. Right in my face. <laughs> that's why I love playing yeah. the Rams. Aaron Donald, that's perfect. Yeah. But that's his centre down. Obviously, Ali Marpet retired. So, you know, the, the inside is, is certainly being beat up a little bit now. The one person I'd look out for is JC Tretter, the former Brown centre. You know, if they're not going to keep it in-house and they're going to bring someone in, I'm amazed. I think I brought him up when we were talking about free agency way back when that he's not signed for a team. I mean, Do you know what's going to happen now, Jake? We're going to finish this recording <laughs> and then I'll wake up tomorrow morning and go, oh, look at the box just signed. Oh, there you go. Did it again. That or they'll just trade for, you know, Kelsey. Or they'll just trade for someone because that's just <laughs> trade the books. They're just, they're just like, who's the biggest name? Let's just go get them with the books with Tom Brady, you know. <laughs> we'll uh, I, sign I, whoever we want. I did see, I think it was, it was either yesterday or the day before, Tristan Worf's I've been carted off, but I think they said it was just cramps. Yes, yeah, it came up uh, when they started talking about it afterwards, after the, the training, that it was yeah. just cramps and just a precaution. So Yeah, because I did see a, a lot of people were worried about that, uh, obviously because he's such a great player for them over the past uh, past year or so. Um, two two years. Was he 2020 draft? 2020, I'm trying to think. Oh, I think he was. I think he was. I think so. Uh, but it's, he's been absolutely solid at right tackle for them. Um, and you, what you don't want is injury. Well, you know, everyone talks about the left tackle because quarterbacks tend to be uh, right-handed, as we've already spoken about. Um, but you need you need bookends. You've got to have two. It doesn't matter if you've got the best left tackle in history, if the, if the right one's, you know, sitting reading a book. 
while the ball is snapped. You've got to have two good tackles. And Tristan Wirth's definitely looking like one of the better tackles in the league. Well, the other, you know, not to disrespect the guards, because I probably feel a bit disrespect here, but the other position you really want is, is the centre. He's the of course the general. He's the one, you know, calling any shifts and kind mm-hmm. of spotting the things and in charge of, of handling the ball. So you never want to lose your centre. You never want somebody under centre not confident in their centre either. So um, Brady will definitely be, if he's not happy with the guys left in the building, we'll be pushing for... Um, maybe a free agent or, or a trade, like I say, a ready-made starter and JC Tretter is still out there on the free agency. So wouldn't be surprised if we see that. Why do you suppose it is that backup centres seem to struggle so much? And I, Now, it's a difficult job. I get that. But if your job is literally to be a centre, but you're not the starting centre, you're the backup centre, and then you see backup centers come in and all of a sudden snaps are like rolling around on the ground or nine feet over the quarterback's head. Surely these guys are still there in practice every week doing well, the reps probably, against the first team defense. Yeah, it'll probably familiarity and, and repetition. There'll be, you know, repetition they, they can um, simulate, but they can't, you know, if you're a backup center, you're not doing your your reps with Tom Brady. You know he's not he's not running the first team and the second team. They'll be running it with Blaine Gabbert. And yeah, but I mean, you know what I mean. When like, oh, the backup center's in. Snap goes eight feet over the quarterback's head. Is that <laughs> how? Who who does he practice with? I, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, but it's not the Jolly Green Giant. I mean, come on, where's that snap going? Or like it, it like rolls along the ground. You're like, who are you snapping to? I know that you're not the starter. And if there's any backup centers listening, I'm not going to go at you. But I kind of am because I've seen too many. I've seen too many snaps go flying over quarterbacks' heads because it's a backup center. And you're thinking, who was who was he snapping to? I I don't I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm making this up. <laughs> in my head beating up on the big guys I know I know I love the big guys you know that we all do but I just yeah, I wonder why that is it's 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 probably just me I'm remembering <laughs> it wrong do you know what I mean but it always does seem to be like oh the backup's interesting now and all of a sudden the snaps are going 45 degrees to where they should be like Whoa, where was where was he going with that I, I could be talking crap uh poop could be doing that. That's uh, we've we've mentioned it in the weeks coming up to training camp. It's great to be coming out of the off season and into training camp and preseason games, but you are always braced for the first couple of weeks of training camp, where it just seems to be every day. And you, you know, starter, you know, anyone suffering injury, but it always seems to be more and more starters with ACLs, with bicep, you know, with season-ending injuries. You know, if you're a Vikings fan and Irv Smiths. You know, hurt his thumb and he might not be back for week one. It's not great news, but you get over it. He'll be back for week one. He'll definitely be featuring at some point. But, you know, if you're looking forward to a Tim Patrick, an exciting young wide receiver getting a chance to run with Russell Wilson and a week in, his ACL's gone and you're not going to see him for a year. That, that's devastating for the player, it for is. the fans. You know, it's it's there's nothing worse. And it's my least favorite thing about this time of year is. You know, the Bucks lost their centre, which is, on paper, great news for the Saints. 
I'm not happy about it. I don't want Ryan Johnson to, to miss an entire season. He's a great player. Yeah. It's, 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 sometimes you hate refreshing Twitter because it's just bracing yourself for who's injured now. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's also the longest part of the offseason. It's right, right, waiting, just waiting, waiting. You just want training camp to be over. So Did we survive to... training camp? I know. <laughs> um, also, uh, we've got, oh, do you know what? I was talking to our resident um, draft expert, Mr. Ewan McPhail, who, of course, is a Detroit Lions fan. And Hard Knocks is starting uh, next week, too, for the Lions. That will be electric with Motor City, Dan. Uh, I will. Dan Campbell. He's just, uh, he's already full of sound bites. Full of them. We'll be able to get some of them inserted in, you know, like with the Jerry Glanville one last week, and already thrown Herm Edwards in there. Uh, we'll do that again. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. But the Lions have got such a young team. I think you was telling me they've got one player over 30, mm-hmm. Michael Brockers, I believe, and I'm pretty sure they only signed him recently. So they've got such a young team. There'll be a lot of um, people trying to break out and kind of show themselves on, on hard knocks. They always... Um, makes a few stars and, and raises a few profiles. So there's plenty of uh, options down, well, up in Detroit, I suppose, not rather than down. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I could, you know, I'm so excited. I'm so, I can't, I can't wait just for the season. Content. Oh, sitting on tented hooks right here. I really am. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's the, those, the, the injury roundup essentially there. Jake, did we miss anyone out? Try. I think that is um, apologies to any players or, or teams that we did miss. That, that was the majority of the injuries that I've seen. There's probably been some whilst we've been recording this. You know, we'll finish and realize that James Winston's done his other ACL. You know, oh, don't see that. It just always seems to be, like you say, anytime I refresh Twitter and you see at the top there, like a, a Rappaport or, you know, yeah, Adam Schefter, if we have to, um, you always think, okay, what what's happened now? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe do a wee sort of a Twitter refresh just five minutes yeah, towards the end. Just, just <laughs> to check. Well, I saw that more bad news for the Saints rather than an injury this time. Um, that's let me find it because Rap Sheet had posted it. Accounts Nick Underhill that CJ uh, Gardner Johnson has limited his activity in recent practices as he seeks a new contract. Um, he's you know one of the best um, slot cornerbacks and he's entering his final year of his contract. So from his point of view, it makes a lot of sense. Um, from the Saints' point of view, it would be very good to get that sorted as soon as possible because you've got a great secondary. Uh, the last thing you want is your slot quarterback deciding, hold on a second, all these wide receivers are getting paid. I'm covering them. And is this you know a coincidence? He saw Julio Jones come in the division and was like, hey, listen, if you want me to cover Julio Jones, you're going to have to pay me a little bit more. I'm still annoyed at that. I'm still I'm still so annoyed at that. Julio Jones is one of my favourite players of all time. I love Julio Jones. And now I hate Julio Jones. Because he's on the <laughs> He's like, joined the devil. Yeah, so it's just, and and you know the thing is, it literally went from being one of my favourite players of all time in the history of the NFL to being one of my least liked players in the history of the NFL. I don't know how you could do this to me, Julio. I, just, I obviously didn't want him to join the books, but more so because I wanted him to join the Colts. The Colts need a wide receiver. Oh, Who's just, their quarterback? Matt Ryan. It was I know, that perfect. would have been... 
That would have been Why good. Why don't things work out like I want? You know? <laughs> throw, throw my my toys out the pram. My perfect situation didn't happen. And it, it, not only did my perfect situation didn't happen, it was even worse. He joined a rival who after played twice a year, you know. Double whammy. That's horrible. But that was the, the injuries. We've obviously covered the extensions now. The only other thing, um, there, there was a few signings and then a couple of retirements. Mm-hmm. Um, 49ers also released D Ford, uh, the former Chiefs and, and now former 49ers. Um, defensive end, he's, he's absolutely fantastic, but he just can't seem to stay fit. Um, so I'm sure he'll end up winding up on a playoff team. But the, the 49ers have, have cut ties probably for financial reasons and just probably run out of patience. Of, of You know, it, it must be a very frustrating thing as a front office personnel when you know the player's got the, you know, the talent, yeah, but they're always injured. That, you know, that, that that must be the worst thing. If a guy isn't great and he gets injured, you can cut ties and be done with it. But when you know a guy has it, but you just don't get to see it, that's, you know, at some point you've got to draw a line. And, and that's what the 49ers have done. They've released him from that, de- you know, that defensive line, which is, I think people were saying was eight or nine deep yeah. of just stars, has, has lost D Ford, has lost Murray's Hurst. You know, it's getting smaller and smaller by the day. It is indeed. Um, it, it is It is quite deep there. And again, as we spoke at the beginning of this, you know, I trust the 49ers with, with what they're doing, that they know what they're doing. So, um, yeah, I, I think they should be all right. But that's, that, it, it's always a shame when people can't stay healthy. Like yes, you said, you know, like he's, he's a good player. Now, a, a, a good player and a, a player that's been around for a long time, a long-time Bengal um, Carlos Dunlop has signed to the Chiefs. Um, no surprise, you know, the Chiefs in the books, they just love to sign these big names. Mm-hmm. Um, a deal worth up to $8 million as well. Um, but he's a, he's a great defensive end. Um, Carlos Dunlop, you know, yep. was for the Bengals. I don't know how much he's got left in the tank, but he won't be asked to do it all by himself, that's for sure. So. No, no. And, and, you know, even if he's only got two years left in him, that's, that's plenty. So I thought yeah. that was a, a, a good pickup. Um, one certainly keep an eye on, and I'm sure he'll be looking to, to try and grab himself a ring uh, before he retires. Um, now, there's kind of two pieces of news about my Saints. The Saints are signing Chris Herndon, and the former Jets and Vikings tight end. We obviously have a bit of a need at tight end. Um, whether he surpasses Troutman or, or, or Taysom Hill we'll, we'll see but it's certainly not a bad thing to, to bring into training camp um, and then the other part was Corn Alexander the former Saints and 49ers linebacker has signed to the Jets which was a very smart and savvy move and one that some Saints fans were a bit perplexed by because we could use with having him back but Corn um, Alexander to the Jets it feels a very Jets you know I don't. I don't know. To, to me, maybe it's just because I like Quan Alexander. Seeing him in the Jets uniform just feels right. I just look at him and I'm like, "Yep, that makes sense." Yeah. Um. Another another good player. Another good player. Another very good player. Um. Just sort of. I don't want to call this breaking news, but the Steelers have oh. placed uh, running back Jeremy McNichols on injured reserve because for shoulder. He's injury. the former Titan, was he? I think he was. I think, I think so. he was the Titans running back behind Derrick signed, signed running back uh, Master Teague the Third. What a, a name! 
Master Sorry, Smoke Monday. You don't have, you, not only are you injured, but you don't even have the best name of the episode. <laughs> Master Teague the Third. That's an amazing name. Incredible. Oh. Get him on the back of my shirt, even if he doesn't make the team. Oh, no, that's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Was there any other news before we talk about the inevitable? Just the couple of retirements. Oh, yes. Um, and it's Sorry. always nice to see um, when players and teams do this. They sign a one-day contract to retire with the team they're most notably known mm. for. Mm-hmm. Um, KJ Wright did that with the Seahawks. And Ryan Kerrigan retires in Washington after, I think he plays for like 10 to like 12 seasons in Washington, and then one season with, with Philadelphia, but obviously signs back with, with Washington to yeah. retire. So it's always nice to see them retire with the team that you associate them with and the team they probably hold um, a lot of love for. Yeah, it is. It is always nice to see that. Yeah, well, good for him. Hope you enjoy your retirement. You can listen to the podcast more. Well learned. Yes, definitely. Um, was there any others? I think that is the news in, in the most part. Is that besides the, the yes. obvious? Right. So there's an elephant in this room, Jake. There is, and it's taking up pretty much the entire room. It may be the biggest elephant I've ever seen. So, where do we begin? Um, why don't we start in Houston? We'll, we'll start there, and uh, we'll take it from there. So, the Houston Texans, back in 2017, I think it was, drafted mm-hmm. a young quarterback by the name of Deshaun Watson. Um, he got his start midway through his rookie season, or with just a, a few games to go in his rookie season, and he was electric. He was absolutely outstanding. And from that moment, the Texans knew they had their guy going forward. And going forward, he developed a relationship with DeAndre Hopkins um, that was it was borderline supernatural. <laughs> um, Deshaun Watson would run around scrambling and he'd throw balls up and, and somehow DeAndre Hopkins would come down with it every single time. That's what it felt like watching it um but then the texans uh, bill o'brien who was the coach and gm at the time i think which I've, it was a very strange uh, strange situation started making some trades uh, because it looked like the texans were going in the right direction they had a, they had a nice running game they had a franchise quarterback you had uh, a franchise wide receiver uh, you had a solid defense but then he's uh, on a good offensive line. Then he started making changes. And they traded their um, starting left tackle. Or they cut the starting left tackle, I believe. And then traded two first rounds to bring in a replacement who was no better than the one that they'd got rid of already. They then managed to trade their franchise wide receiver for uh, an aging David Johnson, a ridiculously bloated contract, and a, a fifth rounder, I think it was, or, or a, a fourth rounder. Just the, the worst, the second worst trade in the history of the Texans, um, which is saying a lot. It's also the second worst trade in the history of the league because the, the, the Texans just do the worst trades ever. They then managed to trade J.J. Watt, think about him. Uh, and the team looks like it's falling apart. 
and their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, demands a new contract. And they don't give him one immediately. You know, they don't give him a contract. Then, during the 2020-2021 off-season, I believe it was, rumours start coming out that Deshaun Watson has um, been a bit of a naughty boy. And he's been going to massage therapists and been requesting that they do things that is not in their remit to do. So Deshaun Watson um, has a couple of lawsuits against him. And it's for, I believe it's sexual misconduct was what the the initial lawsuits were. I think it was two of them to start off with. Um. So while this was going on, he was still in contract negotiations with the Houston Texans. This is pre-2021. Then the lawsuits start building up. And it got to a point uh, where I think the Texans and Deshaun... It was quite difficult to tell whether or not Deshaun Watson was holding out for more money or if the Texans were saying, just stay where you are. There's a lot of off-the-field things that we need to sort out. Um, it turns out these lawsuits start piling up. And I think for for a good while, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Jake, I believe it was 22 was was the magic yes, number. Yes, yeah. It was initially, that, that was the the big figure at, at the one point. Obviously, more came, but yes, 22 was yeah, the, it was, the uh, initial figure. So it was 22 lawsuits. So Deshaun Watson uh, voluntarily, uh, well, I agreed at least with, with the Texans that he wasn't going to play last year. So he did get paid. Uh, got paid, but he wasn't going to play. So he sat out the entire season, the entire 2021 season, and uh, the Texans didn't have a great year. And now let's also, sorry, to put this into perspective, the year before, Deshaun Watson had an incredible season in 2020. I, I believe the stats were something along the lines of four, you know, 4,500 yards, 34 touchdowns, six interceptions, something like that. And they finished three and thirteen. It was terrible. Just it was a disaster for them in twenty twenty. So in twenty twenty one, he sets out the entire season, and these lawsuits don't look like they're going away. The season ends, and the numbers now crept up to twenty four. Twenty four potential lawsuits here, all citing that they're all from massage therapists or uh, uh, masseuses. I'm not sure of the exact term that they were using stating that Deshaun Watson was contacting these uh, women and when he was receiving massages he was um, either asking them to do things to him that they weren't going to do or he was trying to force them to do things that they weren't willing to do it's it it's, it was quite muddy for a good while there no one really knew what any of the details were. And for a lot of these, still nobody knows exactly what happened. Then what happened was um, the lawsuits built up again and it jumped up to, I think it was 24 and then 26. Now, about this time, Deshaun Watson was traded from the Houston Texans to the Cleveland Browns. Now, prior to this happening, we were talking about uh, quarterbacks and free agents. At the time, um, Aaron Rodgers was looking like he might be a free agent. Uh, Pete Carroll was saying, Russell Wilson's not going anywhere. 
but there was rumours that Russell was going to be a free agent. And I sat here in this chair talking to yourself and Dave and I said, if all the off-field issues went away, my number one choice for a franchise quarterback would be Deshaun Watson. Because he's the youngest and I think he's got the highest ceiling of anyone. That was between himself, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. And then I said, but it's not gone away. It's it's still there. So I would take Russell Wilson as my number one guy if the Broncos were to sign a quarterback. Lo and behold, they did. They signed Russell Wilson. Then the Cleveland Browns traded, I forget how many draft picks. Was it three first round draft picks? It was at least two. Let me get the, the if, if details. You, if you can look up what the trade was. Um, and then offered Sean Watson... Uh, the most insane contract. Now, when the year before, Patrick Mahomes had signed a 10-year, $500 million contract, which is a lot, half a billion dollars over 10 years. A lot of money, but that contract was structured in such a way that by year uh, six, it was already, or five or six, it was already going to look like a team-friendly deal because they were saying, well, the way the way uh, contracts are going, you know, five years from now, every quarterback's going to be making 50 million a year. So this, we want to keep Patrick Mahomes. We want him for 10 years. Let's lock him in half a billion dollars. What the Cleveland Browns did is they paid Deshaun Watson, and again, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, um, five years. Five years. Two hundred and thirty million dollars. So you'd look at that and say, "Well, it's it's a little less than Mahomes is getting." But then it's the words that every quarterback loves to hear, especially your man, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Fully guaranteed. The entire two hundred and thirty million dollars. Fully guaranteed. Now, the Browns said, prior to doing this, because a lot of people were saying, why would they sign someone who has this many lawsuits over his head? Because these lawsuits had not been settled. They were still there. And I think at this point it was 26 or something. It was ridiculous. And the Browns says, we've done our due diligence. We've done all our investigation. We're happy with what we've got here. And then, in the middle of this contract, probably somewhere right at the end of the contract in very small print Deshaun Watson's base salary for the 2022 season was $1 million now remember that figure because that's going to come into play in just a minute now just for the, the trade details it was three first round picks a third round pick and potentially a fifth round pick so they're selling your soul and then they're selling your future as well yeah sorry, sorry. Read, read those numbers again sorry uh, so three firsts, a third round pick, and potentially a fifth round pick. What was the potential fifth? Do we know what the sort of clause in that was? It doesn't have, it doesn't have the details. details no. Yeah, that's just from Adam Sheffield that I'm saying potentially fifth. Like I say, I'm assuming that's going to be um, team-based in terms of, you know, playoffs, maybe even Super Bowl. Oh, of course, you know, how many games he plays or whatever. Yeah, making playoffs and that. Okay, so that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. You've given up three first-round picks. That's a lot of picks. Now, I know some teams don't really value picks that much. But whether you use them or not, they are valuable assets because you can trade them away. 
You don't have to use those to, to, to select a player, but you can trade them to gain more picks, or you can use them to trade for other players, just like the Browns did. So they traded for Deshaun Watson, and then they gave him this ludicrous contract of $230 million fully guaranteed, with $1 million in year one, let's not forget that, because then what happened was, the New York Times, I, I think it was, came out with a report that Deshaun Watson had contacted 66 massage therapists in a period of 17 months. Different ones. 66 different massage therapists. And the Houston Texans had provided a venue for many of these ladies to work on Deshaun Watson, to massage Deshaun Watson. They provided a venue. And then the Houston Texans had also apparently provided um, non-disclosure agreements. And this is where things start to take a, a turn. I don't want to use the, the phrase a turn for the worse because you think, how could it possibly get any worse than this? What happened then is that uh, Deshaun Watson's lawyers, they're obviously fighting the lawsuits, um, some of these lawsuits start getting settled. I think the, the, like the very first person who brought one out was, was settled out of court. Now, there's two viewpoints on this, because you look at it as if to say, if you're settling out of court, it makes you look guilty. You think, because if you're innocent, you'd go to court. You say, no, I'm innocent, I'm fighting this, I'm going to court. The other viewpoint is, it's all well and good saying that, but you're a high-profile athlete, and this is going to be the detriment of your job. It's going to be the detriment of your mental health. It's going to be the detriment of your image, including sponsorships. Best thing you can do, just settle. Just give them a bunch of money and get it over with. So that's your two sort of viewpoints, main viewpoints. There's others, obviously, but that's your two sort of things. One says, you look innocent, sorry, you look guilty. And the other one says, it doesn't matter, just get it out of court. Because otherwise, the longer your face is in court, the more people will think you're guilty, whether you are or not. And that's just what they're thinking. It's your image. Public perception. The court of public perception is a big thing in the NFL. So they start getting settled. And then another one gets settled, and then another one gets settled, and then another one gets settled. And and all these cases are being settled out of court, barring, I want to say, one? Is it one that hasn't been settled? I, I, I'll need to find the figures on that. I did have it in front of me. I put it away. Um, And so that essentially, you know, for all intents and purposes, all these court cases are now gone. However... An independent adjudicator came in and says, well, some sort of, something has to be done about this. So there was an independent adjudicator, uh, a judge, and I, I forget her name, and they did a ruling. Now, the NFL uh, were pushing for an indefinite suspension for uh, Deshaun Watson. Not to be confused with an infinite suspension. These are two completely different. Indefinite literally means we don't know when it's going to end. So by that definition, it doesn't have an end until we say it ends. So that's what indefinite means. There's no definite ending. So an indefinite suspension, this is what the NFL are pushing for. The NFLPA, which is the Players Association, 
were pushing for no suspension. And the day before they announced it, which I think they announced it on the Monday, is that right, Jake? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yes, because today is day three. Today is the last day they can appeal. Right. So it was on Monday. Uh, the NFLPA actually put out a, a statement on the Sunday. I think it was the Sunday. Saying yes, what, yes, the day before. Yeah. yeah, the day before, saying whatever the decision is, we're not going to appeal it, and we trust the NFL to do the same. Which kind of makes you think, well, what if he gets an indefinite suspension? The NFLPA would definitely appeal that. Why would you say you're not going to appeal it? And as soon as they said that, I know what I was thinking. And I'm pretty sure I know what you were thinking. And I'm pretty sure I know what everybody was thinking when they thought the only way the NFLPA would say, we're not going to appeal this and we trust the NFL will do the same regardless of the verdict is because they knew this was going to be a pathetic suspension. And as it turns out, Deshaun Watson has been suspended six games, no fine, and because of the way the Browns structured his base salary of $1 million for 2022, he will lose a little over $300,000 total after all of this is said and done. And there were people the world over, especially on, on social media and Twitter, just saying this is an outrage. It's an absolute outrage. Because essentially what's being said here is that they, what they said was there was not, not enough sort of evidence to, to convict him. So what you're seeing is, because of that, you don't believe any of these women. You don't believe any of them. Not one. Because if you did, there'd be more than a six-game suspension and no fine. And the way the Browns, the Browns knew fine well he was going to be suspended. They knew it. They knew he would be suspended. They betted on him being suspended a year or less with that, with that contract. One year, maybe less. Six games, not even half a season. Calvin Ridley got suspended for an entire year. I wonder how much money he lost with that suspension. I wonder what his annual salary is that he lost. Calvin Ridley, because of that. He placed, he placed a bet of $1,500 on a game he wasn't even playing in. And, and there's Deshaun Watson, essentially, six, six game slap on the wrist, $300,000. To a man who's just been given a $230 million contract. It's obscene. It's, it's disgusting. The NFL should look the NFLPA dead in the eye and say, I don't care what you think. We're dealing with this and we're coming down hard. He's being suspended for a minimum of one year. And if you want to fight it, go ahead. Because once again, in the court of public perception, this is an absolute, just a travesty. Six games? Six. That's, <laughs> what? What do you make of this, Jake? Six, it's, it, it's disgusting is what it is. The NFL have to act on this. They have to. What are you? Sorry, Jake. I asked you a question, then I immediately started talking. What's What's your opinion on this saga that's been going on? Well, like we we were talking about uh, beforehand, the NFL has now 
backed itself into a position where they are damned if they do, damned if they don't. Um, the reason that Sue Robinson is the one that you know is doing this report and it's took this amount of time is because the NFL didn't want to be you know the judge and the juror. Um, the Chiefs come back with this report and recommended six games. Now the NFL, if they accept that, um, is a a laughing stock, a joke, and of you know continues to to show patterns of just not seemingly caring what their athletes do, especially when it comes to women. Um, on the other hand, if they do appeal it, the players and the NFLPA are going to say, "What was the point of all this? What you know? Why are you getting an individual person to to report and you know adjudicate if you're then just going to appeal it if you don't like it?" So they've backed themselves into a, a position that is not favourable. the The report itself is <laughs> disgusting. It's ridiculous. The, the fact that. Um, it's mentioned multiple times in the report that um, there was sexualized behavior. You know, th- this was only focusing on four of the, the cases for some bizarre reason, rather than all of them. It was focusing on four yeah, of them, I which think, I never understood. I think that was because he'd settled 22 to 26. Yeah. So they were, so they were we thrown out. All the others. Yes, they were thrown out. So th- this is just focusing on the four. Um, but there was men- many um, points towards... Um, sexualized behavior. Um, one of the, the last lines um, from the report is, uh, in quotes, I therefore find that the NFL has carried its burden to prove by a preponderance of the evidence that Mr. Watson engaged in sexual assault, in brackets, as defined by the NFL, against the four therapists identified in the report. Not just mix- misconduct, which is what, you know, we were initially told, you know, 26, 22, 24, however many. Um, it was just social, uh, you know, sexual misconduct, which is supposedly, you know, lesser. Um, in her report, she is confirming that there was cases of sexual assault. Um, and, and then I have to come back with six games and a fine of, of 340k after the person's been paid 230 million guaranteed. It's just beyond a joke and like you say when the the nflpa came out the day before and said oh we're not going to appeal it you knew straight away that it was going to be you know everyone's like okay so it's going to be four games it's going to be six games you know it's going to be yeah not 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 even half a season yeah people as soon as soon as that came out the uh the the nflp came out on twitter there was tens of thousands of replies immediately with people saying so what he's going to get a few games then I said, we know, we now know. He's not going to be uh, suspended for two years because the NFLP would absolutely have appealed that. And now the NFL have to. But but you're right. No matter what the NFL does now, they're the bad guys. It's just, I, I, I'm, I'm so sick to my stomach of this. And the, the, it, the thing that said that the Texans essentially provided a venue for them to have these massages. Oh, that was the other thing. The other thing that the, the, the judge had said is that um, Deshaun Watson is not allowed to have a massages by anyone other than Cleveland Browns team massage therapists or something like that. I might be getting the, the actual phrase wrong there. Why? If you think he's innocent and he didn't do anything, why would you do that? She doesn't think he's innocent. She said in her report that he's committed sexual assault. Yeah. She's agreed. You know, so, uh, but, yeah. I know. And, and the punishment is not, you know, jail. No. Or a long-term suspension. She's six, six, six games, games and a 
and a you know a tenner basically to him, you know, well, pocket but, change. But it's it's not even that's not even a fine. That's just what he just can get wages for missing six games. That's just his wage from this year. He hasn't he hasn't actually been fined a single cent. It's 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 disgusting. And the Cleveland Browns are sitting there laughing their behinds off. Well, especially because not through any fault of their own, this one, because um, they're scheduled, their first six games are probably the easiest six games of the season. Yeah. Their, their schedule is much tougher at the back end. So first six games, if they can go three and three, four and two, they'll be delighted. Great. We've, you know, we've survived six games without Deshaun Watson and now we get our star quarterback that we've traded our soul and, and many picks um, for. I hope that uh, do you know what when we spoke about this but and we have at length spoken about this um i i think i'd said back in whenever it was it, it's all that blood the whole this whole saga this epic saga that's been going on with sean watson i said the the best case scenario the best outcome for this is that every single one of these women comes out and says that they were lying that that's best. It's the best you can hope for, because if they don't do that, then you have to think he did this. Now, I, I'm not in a court. I'm I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the way the law works, but I know how public perception works. And public perception is he did this. You're saying he did this, and now you're giving him a six game fine. What what do you need to do? What what does it take? Where where is the boundary that you cannot go beyond? Oh, it's betting on games. Smoking marijuana. There you go. That'll get you more than a six game fine. A six game uh, uh, suspension. <laughs> like, like you say, as a, as a, from a court or a lawyer, you know, if it was one person coming out, because you see it uh, and it does happen, where, you know, there'll be someone trying to, you know, I'll see a, a rich athlete and think, of you know, course. I can claim this, I'll get yes. paid out. If it was one woman or one man or Two women, two mm-hmm. men, you know, mm-hmm. a few people with a, you know, a somewhat kind of similar story. You'd be, you may be dubious. 24, 26, however many, you know, women have come out with very similar stories, all corroborate. The Texans have come out and basically <laughs> admitted to facilitating this. And, and to get six games. Now, Ezekiel Elliott for supposedly hitting a woman got six games was never you know everyone on twitter you know the browns fans or you know alpha males that want to defend a sean watson oh it's not you know he's not been um you know found guilty so he's innocent until proven guilty well ezekiel elliott wasn't found guilty he served six games i believe big ben um for his instance which involved rape was 10 games but got reduced to four if i'm not wrong uh, that rings a um, bell greg hardy for beating his girlfriend 10 games reduced to four um we've we've gone through tons before but you, you're telling me ezekiel elliott for his one um one um misconduct six games you know big ben um again i believe that was paid off you know again very easy to believe that it was very real uh, and very wrong, but that was one instant. I believe that ended up being six or four games. But there's no, you know, apparently one doing something once is just as bad as doing it twenty four times because there was no kind of 
accumulation. You know, there's no yeah. okay. You do it once that six games. So if you do it twenty four, that should be twenty four times six. It's um, it's, it's so bizarre, do, like do, you say, with the weed and, and things like that. You know, Sontral Henderson served a fourteen game suspension for weed, which was used to treat his Crohn's disease. Not not because he wanted to get high or was having a good time, or, you know, was out partying. He was using it for medical reasons and was suspended 14 games. Josh Gordon, for the better half of six seasons or six years, has been in and out of the NFL for weed. Like you said, Calvin Ridley, (laughs) for betting on games he wasn't involved in, it's not just 17 games. His is indefinite. He might not come back next year. That's right. We might never see Calvin Ridley play again. We might never see Calvin Ridley play again. Bringing the game into disrepute. And it kind of that that sums up perfectly in terms of the next one. Tom Brady, um, we're talking about the picks uh, and Tom Brady being involved. Four games from maybe being aware that footballs may have been uh, permitted uh, for the the what did they call it? Deflate gate. Deflate gate. He he might have been aware for it. Yeah, it's because he. he that's that. right. It's because he refused to hand in his tele his mobile phone. Yeah. So so because he didn't hand in his cell phone. Um, and may have been aware of it. He got four games, uh, innocent until proven guilty. I mean, it's a, a clear admission of guilt. Basically, not not uh, going going ahead with it. But that was four games. So you're saying that was slightly worse than just actually yeah. sexual misconduct of twenty four allegations. Yeah, and <laughs> confirmed in the report sexual assault of the four cases they had. I mean, it's it's it blows my mind. And like I say, the, the NFL from a PR standpoint, has to appeal this and pray that it gets uh, lengthened, but then they'll have to deal with the backlash from the NFLPA and the players in terms of um, the situation. But I, I don't see any situation where the NFL, but I, I think it's four o'clock central today, um, so a bit very late tonight for mm. us in the UK, just roll over and accept this. Because if they do, the outcry that has been um, on, on Twitter and on um, TV, the last few days is, is going to be multiplied, and yeah. especially if I was, you know, if I was a female uh, presenter or reporter for the NFL, you know, if you are secure enough and you're going to get another job, I would be taking a stand and saying, if this is the league we're dealing with and this is that your stance on it, I'm out of here because you clearly don't respect me or care about me, and and these athletes are just going to keep getting away with it. There's, an athlete, if you tell an athlete with millions of pounds, if you do this thing that you know is wrong and is very wrong and most people would get thrown in jail for, we're going to give you a small fine, um, you sit out for six games and then we'll come back and if, if you're good enough, everyone will forget about it. Yeah, I, I, I know Kyle Brandt mentioned it on Good Morning Football of uh, what he thought about it. I think he basically echoed everyone's sentiments about what was going on. Colleen Wolf had tweeted, uh, she said, I've decided today is cancelled. And no wonder. Just, I mean, how do you even quantify that to someone? How do you how do you explain the situation? We're talking about it now, and we've basically been following this since day one, since it happened. Not not closely, obviously, but but you know we're aware of this situation since day one. We've been following twists and turns and that. How would you explain this to someone who has got no idea that this is going on? If you told someone. Well, wait till I tell you about this player in the National Football League. And then you told them exactly what I've just been talking about and we've just been talking about. They wouldn't believe you. They were like, that's not possible. DeAndre Hopkins is missing six games, the first six games this season, for PED violations. 
which a lot of the times, you know, players generally probably aren't aware of because yes. they'll be getting taken supplements that they're told to take and then all of a sudden it flags up. I mean, I'm sure there are instances where players are trying to gain an advantage and, you uh, know, yeah. so you're not cheating, you're not trying. Um, Absolutely. And, and because of this, he, he will forfeit about $9.9 million from his six-game suspension. That's what DeAndre Hopkins will lose in salary. About $9.9 million, give or take some change. Because, you know, the Cardinals back front office, or whatever you want to call them, aren't a bunch of shysters like the Cleveland Browns are. It just, it's I just, sickening. sickening. I, I, I don't understand how for someone like Colleen Wolf, who I absolutely love, or, you know, sideline reporters, or, you know, people who report after game, how are they supposed to do in week seven? You know, oh, here's Deshaun Watson. We're going to go interview Deshaun Watson because <laughs> how how do you expect someone to do that? You're only going to have male uh, people speaking to him because if I was a female, um, you know, reporter, I wouldn't be signing up for this and be like, oh, great, let's let me just give this man more publicity and you know, let's talk about how he threw for for 400 yards and three touchdowns. Isn't he great? Uh, how how do you go home to your children and explain that? It's just. It it's the worst. It's, it's absolutely worst. Thing that, yeah, oh. the, the thing that makes it worse for me is is Twitter and, and like I say that the innocent until proven guilty. In the report, it finds him guilty. He, you don't pay off if if it's guilty. And you know he said all along he was fighting this because he wants to clear his name, but then paid people off and been found guilty in reports. Like I say, if it was one woman, two women, you might be able to believe him. This many people don't corroborate a story and it's made up. Yeah. The other thing that really notices me is everyone going, oh, it's not a six-game suspension. He was suspended all last year. No, he wasn't. You covered that. He was already in a contract dispute with Houston before this yes. got all dragged in. He was not suspended last year. Nope. He sat last year. He got paid very handsomely last year to not do anything. So I'm not having any of this. Oh, it's more than six games. It's an absolute joke. Yeah, it's um, not. It's not like time served. Yeah, it's yeah, not like it's he not, was. It's not, it's not like he behavior. didn't play last year and not get paid because he was already suspended, awaiting the the thing. No, he he sat this out. That's <laughs> you're you're right. Just oh, I don't know, Jake. I don't. I don't want to talk about Sean Watson anymore. Do you have anything no, you want to add? So we, uh, yeah, we'll te- so we'll speak about this next week when we find when we we know if the NFL appealed it oh, and course, we know if yeah. we've heard back from the appeal. So. Like it has been all off season, this isn't over. Um, it, the only time it'll be over is when Deshaun Watson is back on the field. Yes. And uh, on that note, uh, shall we talk about something a bit cheerier? Shall we? Yes. Let's yeah. let's move on. Why don't we go on to uh, a segment that we all know and love, and uh, it's called Random Stats. Now, would you like me to go first this time, Jake? I would indeed. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll do that now. Um, my random stat involves a player who's already been the subject of a random stat. Uh, so it's it, we're doubling down on this individual. This is one of, I believe it was one of Dave's random stats. Um, I'll see if you can remember who it is. Oh. He was the only special teams player to be voted Super Bowl MVP. Can you remember who that was? One of Dave, it was one of Dave's random stats way back when. Any idea? I, for the life of me, cannot remember, possibly because of the previous 
argument, but uh, my, my mind is blank, so you'll yeah, have to refresh my mind. Uh, it's Desmond Howard. Desmond Howard won a Super Bowl 31 with the Green Bay Packers. Um, and he um, won the Super Bowl MVP, and he uh, was just a great, great kick returner. He was a wide receiver, but a great kick returner. But he, Desmond Howard was also a Heisman Trophy winner. Now, actually, I spoke about Heisman Trophy winners just last week. Wow. I don't know. I've, it's almost like I've run out of things to stat about. <laughs> <laughs> so I've taken two and melded them together. Although, I didn't know that this was Desmond Howard. I knew I was looking for a Heisman Trophy winner because what I wanted to check was, um, what's the highest? Well, actually, I didn't know it was Heisman Trophy winner. I wanted to check, what was the highest grade, uh, um, highest pick, draft pick ever by a Super Bowl winning team? The answer is Desmond Howard. He was drafted in the 1992 draft by the Super Bowl champion Washington Redskins at the time now the Commanders, um, and he was fourth overall. And I was thinking, how on earth does the, <laughs> does the Super Bowl champions end up with a fourth overall draft pick? Well, it turned out they got that pick from the Cincinnati Bengals. They already had it in a trade of the Cincinnati Bengals. So they had the fourth pick going into the 1991 season. They then proceeded to go, you know, obliterate everyone, win the Super Bowl, and they picked up Desmond Howard uh, with the the fourth pick in the draft. And here's the thing. Uh, to the best of my... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for now here? The, the, um, uh, to the best of my knowledge, yes, on, on the research that I was doing. Because I was going through this and I was looking at um, Super Bowl uh, winning teams. And if you go through your list of Super Bowl winning teams, and you'll find that I think he's the only Heisman Trophy winner ever selected by a Super Bowl champion. So a reigning Super Bowl champion. It's the only time that's ever happened. Desmond Howard, fourth overall, highest pick ever by a Super Bowl champion, and to the best of my knowledge, the only um, Heisman Trophy winner ever selected uh, by a, a reigning Super Bowl champion. So that's Desmond Howard. That's my random stat. Nice wee short one today. That's just a good good example of uh, good teams staying very good. Yes. You know, that's... They, they already, as I say, they already had the... the the pick from Cincinnati. They'd already got that pick had, from them. Had it in the bag. Yep. So they, they knew, regardless of what happened, they were going to have, well, they didn't know they were going to have the number four pick. They didn't know the Bengals were going to be absolute garbage in 1991. But that's exactly what they were, unfortunately. Hot garbage. Now, my random stat is focusing on the defense, but I, I saw this. It was initially just a list, but I, I noticed a pattern, uh, and I thought it was, it was quite interesting, mainly focusing on the Colts, but... The most forced fumbles in NFL history. It is topped by Robert Mathis with 52. Um, Julius Peppers is second with 51. And then Robert Mathis's friend alongside him, Dwight Freeney, was number 47. Um, so he's third with 47. Um, so two of the top three were Colts players from the same era playing together. Uh, and then underneath, I saw someone comments, um, now look at this, and it's most forced fumbles by linebackers since 2018 and 
top of that list by a considerable distance is Shaquille Leonard with 17, a current Colts player. It just seems the Colts, you know, most commonly known probably the quarterback player with Johnny Unitas and Peyton Manning. Of course, uh, yes. They certainly, certainly know how to uh, draft and scout um, defensive players who like to get after the ball as well. So two of the top three most forced fumbles in the NFL history um, and the current... Uh, most forced fumbles by landbacker since 2018. Shaquille Leonard with 17. Like I say, the next person is Levante David with nine. So he he's not just just winning that. He's he's winning that by a landslide. That's pretty impressive. That's but really Steve, impressive. <laughs> yeah. So I, I saw this list initially. I was just going to talk about the list. It's it's full of great defensive ends and Charles Tillman, um, who who oh, I believe Dave the Dave has talked about before in his random stats. Yeah, uh, did, how did, Charles, did you not so, say that he joined the FBI? I tied it back to Dave as well. Yes, yeah, he joined the FBI. I think he did. Oh, that was a great story. <laughs> he joined so the I, FBI. I, I tied it back into a Dave start as well with Charles. Nice Tom. one. So we got, like I say, Rob Mathis, Julius Peppers, Dwight Freeney. Next up is John Abraham. Next up is then Charles Tillman, number five in the list. Uh, Jason Taylor at six. Terrell Sucks at seven. Um, your Demarcus Ware at 35. Uh, O.C. Umanora at at number nine with 35 as well and then james harrison topping off their list at, with 34 so like i say star-studded lineup mainly defensive ends and mm-hmm. uh, peanut as well um I, I did actually have someone asking uh where dave is dave's taking a few weeks off uh so w- w- i was good to get a couple of a uh, couple of random stats to, <laughs> to get him back into it there um so there we go that's that's a, a, a awesome stat dwight freeney was awesome. Robert DeMathis was also awesome, but Dwight Freeney, he was, he reminded me of um, Elvis Dumerville. He, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's too small. He's too small to play defensive end in the NFL. And, I mean... Watch my spin move. Oh, he was fast. He was fast. And strong. That's the thing. He may not have been the biggest guy, but he could throw 300-pound offensive linemen away like they were nothing. He was so strong. And uh, yeah, the old spin move. He used to put in people. That's that's what you... If you've got two defensive ends like that, Mathis and, and Freeney, that's terrifying. Just ter- Kind of makes you wonder how a lot of these Colts defences didn't quite seem to gel together. Um, you know, because they had a couple of absolute superstars. Uh, I think... Did, Bob Sanders not play for them as well. And it's the safety, was he? Bob Sanders, the old uh, former San Diego Charger. He was great with the Colts as well. Fantastic. Um, so there we are. I think that, that's us uh, just about wrapping it up today, Jake. Um, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Well, like Lot, lots of news. <laughs> a a news. scandal uh, and more Deshaun Watson. Um, hopefully next week we'll have, I'm sure we'll have plenty of news in terms of training camp mm-hmm. and maybe some more signings. We'll probably have an update on Deshaun Watson. Um, we'll I've finally seen some football with the Jags Raiders, so we can we can delve into anything interesting there. Um, and of course, we'll have our, our random stat. I'm sure. Uh, yes, and so the, the Hall of Fame game, which is being played on Friday uh, between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's it's an exhibition. It's it's not even a a proper preseason game. It's pure exhibition. Uh, but it's just so good to see uh, uh, season balls getting kicked and thrown 
again. That sounded terrible. <laughs> what? It's good to see balls getting kicked again. Oh my word! Behavior. I mean, there is a kicker battle in Jacksonville, so you're not wrong. They've worked uh, out four kickers. Uh, yeah, um, oh, they've yes. narrowed it down to two, so that it, it really is going to be good to see um, some balls being kicked for for Jacksonville fans to find out who's actually do we know who their the kicker, do we know who the finalists are? Uh, it's between Elliot Fry and Ryan Santoso. Ooh, um, neither uh, I can say I'm familiar with their work, but um, I'm my money's fans. My money's on Santoso because of his name. Santoso. I like it. I'll take Fry then. We'll go head to head and see who wins. Go head to head and see who wins. Yeah, my money is on Santoso. Uh, Let's make a gentleman's bet, Jake. Okay. Um, If if Santoso wins, Mm -hmm. um, then let let me think. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. What what do you have that I want? Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't wouldn't actually do that to you Um, I will bet you A pint Of your choice A pint of of your choice of Alcoholic beverage Right, okay, so if I win I would like a Pint of Mackenzie Cider Mackenzie Cider Okay, no problem Um, If if Elliot Fry Does win it out for me I I look forward to that Okay that you will receive that. If I win, I would like a pint of. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't usually drink pints. You see, I, this is a terrible idea. Um, I would like a pint of whatever lager they are serving in the next time we meet up in the pub. Okay, sounds like a deal. It's it's, yeah. it's it's one way to make the kicker battle more exciting. Is there's a pint on the line? There's a pint on the line. I'll, I'm going to say Biramaretti. I like a pint of Biramaretti or the Italian beer. I like that. Okay. I will. Take is that a pint. because you think Santoso might be Italian with his name? I, I think there's got to be something in there. At least Latin, you know. So some sort of Latin influence with Santoso there. So I'll take a pint of Biramaretti if he wins, and if uh, if Fry wins, uh, you will have a pint of Mackenzie cider. Fantastic. Sounds sounds like an absolute plan there. Maybe we'll get a sponsorship going forward for the podcast. Um, if any uh, billionaires are listening to the podcast and you'd like to sponsor us so that we never have to work again, uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. That would be great. I'd appreciate it. If you that. sponsor us, you know, billionaires, if you sponsor us, I'll buy your pint. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what? You get one from me too. That's two pints. And I'm pretty sure Dave would chuck in a third. That's three drinks on the line for you there. Sounds like a, you get the podcast and three pints. I mean, that sounds like a great deal. And that's three pints of your choice. You can have any 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 alcoholic beverage you want. As including home-brewed. Yeah. <laughs> including home-brewed, yes. So there you are. Thank you very much. Jake, uh, anything you wanted to add before we finish off then? No, um, like I say, I'm looking forward to the Jacks Raiders game. As mm-hmm. we mentioned with, with pre-season, we mm-hmm. won't see an awful lot of stars, but it's a great chance to see rookies like Trayvon Walker and people that maybe you wouldn't expect to make the roster Um, it's always fun to see we always end up with a a preseason MVP in terms of someone that maybe doesn't even make the team maybe doesn't you know do much in the season but is always exciting to see who makes a name for themselves in the preseason definitely cannot wait for it uh thank you very much uh, once again if you want to catch any of us myself and jake and dave are all on twitter uh, you can also catch us at the win fl show and uh, thank you jake i appreciate everything you do including your, your boundless research knowledge about the nfl it makes me look better so that's good um and thank you to everyone for tuning in and we'll catch you next week on the win fl show <laughs>